Well, we're starting a new series today that we're calling A Step of Faith. And we're going to be in this series uh, throughout the upcoming holidays. And uh, probably also will take us on over into the, the new year as well, into 2022. Can you believe that 2022 is just around the corner? It seems like this year has just flown by. I've just now got used to writing 2021, and now we're about to change again. But I'm excited about this series. In this series, we're going to spend most of our time here in the Gospel of Luke. And as I was preparing this series, I ran across an old story that that I thought uh, was so applicable uh, to this series that we're going to be doing. Uh, And it's a story some of you may have heard before, if you have, just humor me. But it's about a lumberjack. Uh, that's getting ready to cut down uh, the trees in, in a forest there. He's been tasked with uh, cutting those trees and, and, and getting them out. And as he was getting started on the very first tree, uh, he noticed that there was this beautiful bird that was up in the top of the tree, and it was building a nest. And so not wanting to harm the bird or uh, its soon-to-be babies that would be born in that nest, Uh, He took his axe handle and he began to hit the bottom of the tree with his axe handle trying to startle this bird and and trying to get it to move on and and leave this tree. And it did. And it flew to another tree nearby. And it was a tree that the lumberjack was needing to cut down as well. And so the lumberjack did the same thing at this second tree and the bird and the lumberjack kind of repeated this dance back and forth and, and this scenario for about half a dozen more times. And then the bird finally gave up and abandoned the trees and went and landed and perched on a nearby rock and began to build its nest there. And, and the storyteller continues, he says, I imagine the bird never really understood why the lumberjack was pursuing it and systematically attacking its shelters in the trees. He says, but the lumberjack's motive, of course, was compassion. He knew every tree in the forest would soon come down, and he wanted the bird to build its nest in a place where his axe could not harm it. And and you know, as I was reading that and I was preparing for this series, I began to think about, you know, we've kind of been through what that bird was going through these past couple years, right? I mean, don't you kind of feel like that bird that every time we kind of find ourselves in a safe, comfortable place, it seems that that gets shaken and and we don't really know if if that's a safe place or, or not to be or our, our world, you know, not just our nation, but our entire world that we live in uh, has really been shaken to its foundation over this past year and a half to two years. Things that uh, you and I had always taken for granted before. Things like our health, things like uh, our jobs that we took for granted. Uh, we, we had always taken for granted the fact that we could just go down here to the nursing home and walk in and visit our elderly parents or, or grandparents or friends. We, we took for granted that we, we could just walk into a hospital 
uh, and visit anybody that we wanted to, to visit, regardless uh, of how uh, ill they were or, or, or weren't. And, and the ability to be able to just go and do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it uh, has been shaken over these uh, past couple years. And, and, but what if, what if God, out of His compassion, like the lumberjack in the story, was attacking and shaking the very foundations that He knows will eventually crumble and fall And He did that in order to move us to a place that could never be shaken and that will never fall. And and so the question is, as we begin this new series today, that the question that this will bring us to uh, each and every week is this, is what you are building your life on, is that going to last? It's what you are building your life on. Is it going to last? Because here's the deal. It's God's mercy that has shook our very foundations in our lives. right? Because at death, we're going to find out that there is only one foundation that lasts for eternity, and that's Christ and Christ alone. That's the only foundation that we could build on that is safe and secure. And we talked about it in the, in the last series. We talked about how the good news of Jesus Christ must be at the foundation of everything that we do as a church. But what I want to do in this series is I want to personalize that. And, and I want us all to do some individual uh, testing of our lives to see if that's true of us, because at death we will learn that there is only one foundation that was worth building on, and that's the foundation of Jesus Christ. And so maybe God has been allowing our foundations to be shaken uh, so that we would ask, what is it that we trust? Well, what is it that we have placed our our trust and our our faith in. And and what we better realize is this, friends, vaccine or not, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. Whether we're rich or whether we're poor, whether we have a large bank account or a small bank account, whether our 401k is huge or we don't have a 401k at all, we're still going to die. Republican or Democrat, we're all going to die. And we all need Jesus as our Savior. And so here in Luke chapter 6, you've probably already figured out where I'm going with this today because it's one of the most uh, familiar parables that we have in the Bible that Jesus told. It was about two men who built houses, uh, but they built on different foundations. One man that uh, Jesus calls foolish builds his house on soft ground, on, the, on sand. The other built his house on a solid foundation. He built his house upon the rock. And so what I want to do is I want to pick up that story, but I, I want to just 
pick it up a little uh, ahead of where Jesus tells this parable so that we kind of get the context of what he's talking about. So uh, here in Luke chapter 6, let's pick it up this morning at uh, verse 43. Verse 43 of Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, No good tree bears bad fruit. We've talked about that over the past few weeks about the fruit that we bear. Jesus said, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man, a godly man, a follower of Jesus, brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Verse 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. And then he shares the parable. He says, they are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. And I've often said... Uh, in, in my sharing of Scripture, that it's important that we understand the context of what's being said, who, he's, who, who the, the passage is talking to and, and, and talking about, instead of just grabbing a, a passage of Scripture out of thin air and making it mean what we want it to mean. And so the setting for this story, if you go back even further up earlier in this chapter, you will learn that the setting for this story is that Jesus is talking here to a group of religious people. He's talking to church folks. And He's warning them that a lot of people think that they are right with God and they are wrong. They think that they are right with God, but they're not right with God. And he's talking to this people, again, who are sincerely religious. These are the the best of the church folks in the community, but they don't truly, what Jesus is saying here, you don't truly have a relationship with God, which is shocking, not only to them, but also to us, to think that, what would Jesus say if He came to preach at our church? as he's talking to us religious folks and church people. And he gives them basically three qualities that makes his point. The first we find in verse 43 is this. He says they don't bear spiritual fruit. They don't bear spiritual fruit. And basically, this is a person that says all the right things, They hang out in all the right places, but Jesus says, you know, a sign of not having a genuine relationship with me is that you're not bearing any fruit. 
and they may hang out, they may go to the right church, and they may hang out with, with, with the right people, but when looking closely at their lives, when examining their lives, Jesus says there is no fruit, nor there is there any evidence that they have experienced this transformation that takes place in someone's heart and life when they're a disciple and a follower of Christ. And so what kind of fruit is he talking about? When we speak about spiritual fruit, well, you know, uh, one thing that is obvious and evident in the life of a disciple is this. They will have a continuous and growing love for Jesus. And a continuous and growing love and passion for the things of Jesus. They will have this desire to spend more time with Him. They'll have a desire to be in His Word more because it's in His Word where we learn more about Jesus and we learn more about His love and His blessings and His goodness. And the more we're in His Word and the more we know Him, the more we love Him and want to be with Him. I I can't help but think, and I will never forget this conversation as long as I live, I hope. My dear friend uh, Barry McClellan, Sat over here faithfully, him and Nancy, for many, many, many years in this church. Now they're in a hospital room. Many of you know that Barry uh, had a very serious surgery, a cancer surgery. The surgery went great, but following the surgery, he had an aneurysm that burst. And he coded and was down for 10 minutes. They got him back. But because he was down for so long, it damaged his brain. And since then, his brain has begun to shrink. And they've said that there will be no recovery. And within probably the next few weeks, I'm going to lose a dear friend, Barry. But I will never forget the last conversation that I had with him. We were talking on the phone. He was getting ready for this surgery, a very serious surgery. And he said, Brother Steve, I just love him so much. I I just love him so much. He's done so much for me. This is a man who lost his teenager in an automobile accident years ago. My Lord has been so good to me. And the more that I have got to know him, the more I want to be with him. Friends, that's a fruit of a disciple, a genuine follower and lover of Jesus Christ. And when we know Him, we will have a desire to spend time with Him, be with Him. We'll have a love like He has for all people. And not just people that look like us and and, and act like us, but like we've been talking about the last few weeks. All kinds of people. Because when we understand exactly what Jesus has done for us in our hearts, in our lives, we understand, you know what, regardless of how much money we have, regardless of our color, regardless of where we live, regardless of how we vote, we are all equal at the foot of the cross. He sees us all the same. And when we understand that, you and I will begin to see all people as the same. They're no better than me, and I'm no better than them. We're all equal 
and, and also in, in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we will begin, he, he will place in us this dislike for sin. And, and to have anything to do with it. And, and here's the deal. All of this does not take place in an instant when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. All right, I'll tell you what does happen in an instant. And that is that He forgives you of all of your sin and makes you a new creation. But all of these things that I just described don't happen uh, all at once. But here's the deal, friends. Someone who is truly right with God and in a relationship with God will be growing in these areas. Because He changes us and He makes us into His image. And if we're not changing, if we're not constantly being transformed into His image, then we probably need to step back and see if we've actually allowed Him control of our heart and our life. And just like a doctor will check someone's pulse or check their breath to see if they're physically alive, these are the things that will show if someone is spiritually alive. And so the question is this. And again, I've told you these past few weeks, you know, I I just feel an urgency to bring us to a point to where we're honest with ourselves about whether we're in right right relationship with God or not. Uh, I, I feel so strongly that You know, I'm going to give an account of my life. I'm going to give an account of what I did uh, as pastor in my life. And and so I'm not going to stand up here and and, and try to make you feel good about yourself just because you call yourself a Christian, but you're living like everybody else in the world. I can't do that. I cannot do that anymore. And so we're going to ask hard questions, and I'm going to challenge you to be open and honest with yourself. And so the question is, as we begin this morning, is this. Does your life show evidence, and does it show fruit that God is at work in your life? Are you growing in your love for Jesus? Are you growing in your love for the things of Jesus? Are you passionate about other people coming to know Jesus. Because here's the deal. If you have experienced this saving grace in your life, and this forgiveness in your life, and this transformation in your life that, that, that made you a, a new creation in Christ, if you have experienced that, genuinely experienced that, it will be impossible to really believe all that and not have a great desire for other people to experience that as well. To know what God has done in your heart, and know that God can do that in other people's hearts. And we'll have a desire to do that. Can I ask you this morning, do you find that the commands that we find in the Bible are burdensome? Or do you desire to follow His commands and be more like Him each and every day. Now, today we're all here at church, except there, there are probably a few that are watching online, but for the most part, we're all here. Are y'all all here? Okay, we're all here. Good. I was checking. Make sure y'all kind of look dead there for a while. The question is, you're all here, but are we all here for the right reason? Why are we here? Are you here because you love being with the people of God? 
Are you here because you love to gather with the body of Christ and worship our Lord and Savior who paid a price that we could never pay? Are you here because you love the Word of God and you just can't get enough of it? Or do you just simply come out of obligation because you feel like you have to? Or you think it's the right thing to do or... You do it just to get your spouse off your back or to make your mama happy. Does your heart and does your life show spiritual evidence and spiritual fruit that you are a follower of Jesus? Do your closest friends and your family members who see you away from the church Outside the church, do they see plainly and clearly that you are following Jesus Christ? Because if they don't, then you're probably not. So the first characteristic is they don't show spiritual fruit. The second thing that we see here in verse 46 is they don't do what Jesus says. Signs of not having a genuine relationship with Jesus, people will not do what Jesus says to do. And this one's pretty straightforward because these religious people, these church folks have basically turned to Jesus like a lot of people do in the church. They they, they call themselves a Christian basically so they can have a, 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 some fire insurance from, from going to hell. They want to be in relationship with Jesus when everything's going great, or they want to be in relationship with Jesus if they're go- going through a difficult time, then maybe He will help them. Or, or maybe they look to Jesus as just an example that we're all... A, maybe strive to be like and act like, but they're not fully surrendered to everything that Jesus says. And so Jesus says to these church folks, to these religious people, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord? And not do what I say. And these people are people who are unwilling to surrender their life completely under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. These these are people who are unwilling to surrender their finances to the Lordship and the control of Jesus Christ. And we don't like to hear that in the church. Don't like to talk about money. I know you don't like it. I'm sorry, Jesus talked about it more than anything else in His teaching. Was the love of money and the power that money and and those things can have over our lives. And there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians today that have not allowed God, have not allowed Jesus to be in control of their bank accounts and their checkbooks. And not only that, they're unwilling to surrender their plans Unwilling to surrender their desires and their dreams. And they want to control their own life. They want to control their own destiny because they've done a pretty good job up to now and they think they got it and they can handle it. 
and they want to control their life and make their decisions instead of allowing the Lord to control it. And if you're not fully surrendered to the Lord, then He's probably not the Lord of your life. Pastor Sanders used to say it like this, He's either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. And so the first characteristics, that they don't bear spiritual fruit. The seconds that they don't do what Jesus says. And the third characteristic we see in verse 49, their faith falls apart in the storm. And this is where the story connects the first two points. Jesus' point with these two houses is that these two houses, you know what, they may look exactly alike. Driving down the road, you might look at these two houses and think, man, what awesome houses. Look how nice they look. And from a distance, they, they look good. And they may look the same. But what is different? It's what's below the surface that the people just passing by can't see that truly matters. One was built on the rock. The other was built on the sand. And the storm revealed that. And the point is that there are people whose lives may look alike. They may go to the same church. They may believe the same things. They may even have the same morals. But one's faith is real. And one's faith is not. And Jesus says the storm will reveal that. On the outside, we may have everybody else fooled. But they can't see what we've built our lives on. They can't see the foundation. But one day, that foundation will be revealed. These people will walk with God who built on the sand, who didn't build on the solid rock, the solid foundation. They, they, they will walk with God until something better comes along. They will walk with God and they will worship God until they have a better offer. They will walk with God until it gets hard or it gets uncomfortable or the preacher says something that they don't like. They'll walk with God until maybe God doesn't answer some prayer like they think that He should answer it. They'll walk with God until it begins to become unpopular with their friends. And, you know, they don't want to make their friends uncomfortable. And so, I'm just going to leave my Jesus and my Christianity, I'm going to leave that at home because I don't want to make my friends feel uncomfortable when the truth of the matter is it's not the friends that will be uncomfortable it's us that will be uncomfortable because we're embarrassed that we have a relationship with Jesus Lord help us maybe it's unpopular with the people that you work with and you think you know what my my faith and my work don't need to 
intermingle together. I don't need to make people uncomfortable at my work. There's not really a need for people that I work with to know about my faith or what my beliefs in Jesus are. Talking about being a Christian and trying to appear to be a Christian when it suits us is one thing. But at some point, obedience to God is going to take your life in a different direction than the direction that the crowd is going. It's going to take your life down a different path than the path that everyone else is traveling. And you know what? That may not always be comfortable. Heaven forbid we would be uncomfortable. Because I doubt very seriously anything we face would be as uncomfortable as the cross that he faced. At some point, obedience to God will take your life in a different direction. And that's when it gets revealed. That's when people will know whether or not you've surrendered it all to Jesus and to follow Jesus. You see, the storm, the pressure reveals whether or not your hope was in God or it was in what you had hoped God might do for you. There are a lot of people who fall away from God when the storm comes or it looks harder than they thought it would be. And that happens because their hope was never really in God to begin with. It was in their assumption that living a religious life and calling themselves a Christian would keep them in sunny, beautiful weather all the time and the storm would never come. Again, the difference in these two lives is not what they believe. See, the two houses look the same. But it's in how much their lives are actually built on what they believe. The one with the solid foundation is the one who Jesus says in verse 47, the one with the solid foundation hears my words and puts them into practice. According to Jesus, not me, according to Jesus, your destiny is not determined by what you say you believe. Your destiny is not determined by what you say you believe, but by what your life demonstrates you believe. And friends, I really hope that you're paying attention to this today because this is a major theme of what Jesus taught all throughout the Gospels. Not everyone who calls Jesus Lord is going to heaven. And before we wrap up and celebrate some baptisms this morning today, I want to jump over to Matthew's gospel. Because Matthew gives an account of this same teaching uh, here. Matthew records the story of the wise man and the foolish man. He records the story of the two different kinds of trees and fruit. But he adds another story that Jesus told as well. And I want to look at it this morning as we wrap up. It's in Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 21. And again, these are Jesus' words. 
He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? Notice those two words there. Says and does. So what do they say? What are they saying? Lord, Lord. Right? So it appears that they're going to the right church. It appears that they have the right theology and the right religion. They pick the right one. And not only do they have their words right, but don't miss this. They're doing some ministry in the church. They're doing some things. They're prophesying in Jesus' name. They're packing Thanksgiving food boxes in Jesus' name. They're bringing back Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes in Jesus' name. They're driving out demons in His name. They're even doing miracles in His name. Folks, these aren't the once-a-month churchgoers that are just sideline spectators that slip in and out and nobody even knows who they are, right, because they're not involved at all, that these people that he's talking to are involved. They're doing ministry in the church. They're doing these things. And Jesus says in verse 23, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. I don't know about you, but this is a little unsettling for me. Y'all are not liking this sermon at all. I can tell by the looks on your faces. I'm not, I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to try to get you to heaven. This is unsettling, is it not? These people confess to know Jesus. But Jesus doesn't confess to knowing them. And folks, that's a big problem. They were around Jesus. They decorated their houses with Jesus' stuff and Jesus' art. But they never fully surrendered their lives to Jesus. And Jesus says, I never knew you. You knew of me, but I never actually knew you. Friends, I beg you today, please pay attention to this. Not everyone who calls Jesus Lord actually belongs to Him. This is what He's teaching. This is what He's saying. The difference between being saved and unsaved is not what their mouths say they believe, but what their lives does and demonstrates what they believe. And I know that we say and we hear that we're saved by faith alone. And yes, that is true. But the kind of faith that saves, folks, 
the kind of faith that saves us, that faith changes your life. It changes your heart. It changes the way you live. It changes the direction that you are going. That kind of faith, a saving faith, puts the roots of your life into the gospel soul, soil and it goes deep into that foundation and it builds that foundation of your life upon the rock and that rock is Jesus Christ and His will for your life. There's two ways to tell what you really believe. There's what your mouth says that you believe and there's what your life says that you believe. Can I ask you today, which of those are more reliable? What your mouth says or what your life says? Well, the bottom line is this today. God looks at your life, not your words. He looks at your life as a better indicator of what you believe than the words that you say. So the closing question today is this. Does your life say Jesus is Lord? Does your life and the way you're living your life demonstrate to the world and those around you that Jesus is Lord of your life? The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and 5, he said, examine yourselves. Friends, I'm asking you to do, to do the same thing that Paul asked the church at Corinth to do. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Today, Jesus says that there are three characteristics of spiritual imposters, of people who are in the church who look like they are right with God, but they aren't. They don't bear spiritual fruit. They don't do what Jesus says, and their faith falls apart under pressure. Can I ask you today, are these true of you? Because the good news is, aren't you glad I finally got to the good news? The good news today is this. Today, you can embrace Jesus and this life change that only comes through Him. He went to the cross not only to forgive you of your sins, but He also went to the cross so that He could come into your life and make you a new creation. So that He could come in and do this work in your heart and in your mind so that when people around you would see you, they would see the heart of Christ. They would see someone who is striving to live their life to be like their Father, their Heavenly Father. So today I encourage you, embrace that. 
Embrace that with your heart and give Him complete control of your entire life, including everything. And if you do that, not only will He save you, but He will change you and you will look more like Him. And if your life's built upon the rock, there's a promise here that goes along with building your your life on the right foundation. There's a promise that we see here in our story today in this parable. And it's this. You can endure anything that comes along. If you're built upon the rock and your foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ and He is your rock, you can withstand any storm, any pressure, anything. It comes your way. Friends, all it takes is that first step of faith. And today, as we close out our time together, we're going to celebrate. And when I mean celebrate, y'all going to have to do better than you've done during this message. I know it's not a message y'all wanted to hear today. I get it. Going into Thanksgiving, the holidays, the preacher just lowered the boom on us. Sorry about that. All right. Sorry, not sorry. These two young girls are courageously taking a step of faith in front of all of y'all. And it's scary. And they're nervous. And so when we baptize them, we should celebrate with them what God has done in their lives. And so... This morning, before we close, I would just ask you again what the Apostle Paul asked you to do. Would you examine your lives? And are you you where you need to be in right relationship with Jesus Christ? Would you join me in prayer? Dear God, I thank you so much today for your word. I thank you for... The hope that we have in you, I thank you for the promise today that if we will surrender our lives to you and build our lives upon you and your will for our life, then God, there's nothing in this world that could shake us or rattle us. We're secure in who we are and whose we are. And God, I just pray that if there be one here today that might be here in the sanctuary, or maybe they're watching online. God, I just pray that as they examine themselves, and I I hope and pray that every single person is examining their heart today, but as they examine themselves, if they're not where they need to be in right relationship with you, then God, I pray that today would be a day that they would just surrender it all to you. I know, and you know, how awesome That can be when we do that. I pray that some people would experience that in their own personal lives today and in their families today. So God, I thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for these two young ladies that have come, that have placed their faith in you. They've accepted you as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that we as the church would join with their families in helping them to build their lives upon this solid foundation that's being laid as they've accepted you and now they're coming forward 
courageously to be baptized, to make it public. And so God bless these girls, bless their families, help us to be the church that would be a blessing to them and to help them. God, we have some people in our church today that are hurting. They're going through difficult times. I pray for Carolyn today. That you'd bring healing to her body. I pray for Dory and Trent and Linda. God, they all need a touch from you. They're all going through difficult times physically. And I just pray that you would help them. God, we pray for total healing in their lives. And what a privilege and honor it is to approach the throne of the healer today and lift them to you. God, I, I pray today for Nancy. God, be with her. Give her strength. Give her courage. Give her wisdom. We know where Barry's going to go. It's going to be a huge loss. For not only Nancy, but for this church and for this pastor so God be with her like only you can we thank you and we praise you for who you are I pray that as we go from this place that we would represent you that other people would see you and know you through the lives that we live through the lives that have been built upon you it's in Jesus name that we pray